And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Oh, I found out today I'm getting deployed. You're out of here? Are we having I mean, a going away talking party? talking about deployment, I figured that you're probably going to tell me that you're shipping me away somewhere. Where did Garfield always send his buddy? Abu you mean Dhabi? The guy, like Garfield's owner or, the, or Odie? Odie. He always sent Odie to Abu Dhabi. I think that's where I'm going to send you. Oh, I don't know if I'd like it there, but I guess there's only one way to find out. But we're going to talk about deployment today. We're here for episode seven in a series of eight about the software development life cycle. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io because hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. So Matt, we, we've talked about everything. We, you know, we started the series on 819, for those of you that want to go back and start at the at the beginning of it, and we did an overview about the SDLC, as it's lovingly referred. We talk about planning, defining requirements, designing and prototyping, software development, which is what we do at fullscale.io, and also testing. But Matt, what's deployment? Does that mean shipping me to Abu Dhabi? Well, deployment is, uh, you know... Nothing, you know, we always talk about like done. What's the definition of done, right? And and developers say, well, I wrote the code. I'm done with it. You know, to me, done is when we shipped it. When did, when did the customer get this thing and the customer can use it? We got to actually deploy it. Then it's done, you know? And sometimes that can be the hardest part. And it's the most overlooked part of it is actually deploying stuff. So what happens during that stage? And like, well, you mentioned some things that can, can go wrong and there are quite a few. You're right. This is, this is the one yard line. And um, a lot of people fumble right before they get it into the end zone. So like every, everything we've talked about in this series, depending on the type of app you have, it totally changes how you do deployments, right? Imagine if you were Russia right now and your air defense system cannot take out these HIMARS missiles that keep getting launched at you. We can change the software. Now we have to figure out how to deploy the software change to recognize those HIMARS missiles. How do we do it in such a way at hundreds of sites, geographically distributed all over the place in a secure way that we also don't take down our air defenses while we do it? And we don't get totally annihilated when we take all of our air defenses offline. Like, that's where this shit gets really complicated. And it could be like, oh, a five minute software fix is nearly impossible to deploy. Does that make any sense? Yeah, sure. And, you know, I mean, some of it. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to take the, the seat of the non-tech world so people know what the fuck you're talking about. But you have code. 
and it's sitting on the left side and now you got to move it to the right <laughs> box. You got to move it to the box that's on the right. Yeah. So you got to push something from the left side to the right side. Now, in order to do that, you have to retain all of the healthy or parts of the code that you didn't change while successfully changing the other parts that you want to do something better, right? Or, or fix or whatever. And the problem is, is sometimes these worlds collide and you can have everything from overriding to new bugs to things that just didn't really go the way that it occurred. Now, here, and you know, we're recording this in 2022, and the world of software development has created a lot of tools and stuff to handle this kind of stuff. Now, 15 years ago, um, this was really like a nerve-wracking situation for developers and for product owners as well, because you would oftentimes in old school ways, just be overriding what was already in there. You know, somebody says, uh, hold my beer. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> and then you push code, right? Like, so back in the Vin Solutions days, like nearly 15 years ago now, when, when we were doing that, we didn't have any of these fancy deployment pipelines with continuous integration and continuous delivery and all the buzzwords and all the things that most developers use these days. We had an extra computer that I literally called Bob because it was Bob the Builder. And we would check out all the code from the, the source code repo. We would copy it over to that machine. I would log into that machine. I would build it. And then I would literally copy and paste the files and save them to the production servers. That's how we did deployments. And if, and if I made any human error, if there was any human error, it would all go wrong. And if for whatever reason, something got messed up in production, there was not really a great, like, go back a version. Yeah. <laughs> there was not really a great, like, uh, we just screwed everything up. How do we revert it? That's the nerve wracking part that I'm talking about because untying that knot was a challenge. And yeah. now the world of software development and entrepreneurship and everything has learned that has created tools and best practices to handle that. Do you want to talk about uh, what some of the common stuff is for that? Yeah. So these days, most people use some sort of CI or CD pipeline. So that's continuing integration, continuous delivery. So it, it starts with like continuous integration, you know, does like testing, making sure like all the code compiles and all the different unit tests and all these different kinds of testing run. And then as long as all the testing works, which is automated testing, then it would do the deployment part of it. So like I would take the code that was in the development environment and then move it to the QA environment and then eventually take the code that was in QA and move it to production. So you um, move it up, up levels as everything works successfully. And, and that stuff's all, all really important. And honestly, I had a conversation about this same exact topic before our call today because our developers write in some stuff for AWS Lambda and we have to figure out, okay, how do we deploy that to production and run it? We don't want him to have access to production. So how does he like make his code changes and then you know he can go click a button somewhere and his code changes get moved to production in a safe way and a repeatable way? Because otherwise he has to like manually run all this weird command line functions. But then he has to log into AWS. We have to give him full per, you know, like production access to everything. And he has to go click some buttons in there. And if he doesn't do any of it the right way, our whole shit goes down, right? And so that's why having these pipelines and having automation is important. 
it helps you move much faster and a re- and in a repeatable way. Um, so that if anything goes wrong, you also potentially can get back to the previous version and redeploy the previous version, and you've got automation to do all of it. Which is, it happens sometimes. You talk about having to revert back to, but for purposes of, of this episode, we'll say we're on version 1.5 and we're trying to get to version 1.6. And we go to get to 1.6. Now, when Matt talks about, quote, production, he means your live site, your yeah. live software, the, 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 the part that produces uh, whatever it is that you want it to do. And as we mentioned in prior episodes, you will have different worlds like staging and development and it, these different things and places where you conduct science experiments, ex- essentially. I mean, I think that's a fair way to put it because you want to run tests and try things in a way that doesn't break everything you do. Now you look at like any software you use, right? They, any of these big companies, they all have these different environments and worlds and think about, all right, so last night I was trying to order on the DoorDash app, which is Uh maybe the primary way my family survives right now. Um, And there was something goofy with it and I couldn't put anything in. I couldn't, I could select, I could select a pizza and it would say, great, out into the order but there was no actual order or checkout or basket or anything. That was likely a problem with them deploying some kind of update to their actual app that they probably, I'm willing to bet that something the size of DoorDash figured that out pretty quickly because there weren't any new orders coming in. That'll be a first red flag that a deployment went bad. So well, like when, go ahead. And that's that's why it's important to have different KPIs that you monitor, right. right? And so there's a whole host of monitoring systems that people use and we'll talk more about this in our next episode when it comes to the operations of things. But when you're doing a deployment, to your exact point, it's real important after you do the deployment to check like are we still getting traffic? Is it performed the same way? Are we getting more errors? Are we getting more are we still getting orders? Like just ensuring that everything still works. Yeah. And something like, I mean, DoorDash is a high volume kind of thing. I'm sure that someone noticed pretty quickly that new orders weren't going out. Now in your software, um, that might not be the case because I don't know how many orders DoorDash does a minute, but I'm willing to bet it's sizable enough that they notice a dip in the graph, right? Well, and, and if you did have a problem, is there an easy way for the customer to even tell you that there was a problem? That was another thing. I couldn't really do that. I mean, you know, all you can now, do is go to Twitter and tweet at them and be like, hey, fix your shit. Yeah. Well, after like, trying for like 10 minutes, I realized there was truly a problem. And then I did successfully make an order because I went back to my old orders and I just clicked reorder, which that took me to checkout, which, and my wife's asking me, she's like, well, what's wrong with DoorDash? And I'm like, building software is hard, Jill. Yes. <laughs> that was all I said. Well, yeah. So the problem is, as an early stage startup, for those of you who are listening that are, you know, in an earlier stage, these are the types of things like building deployment pipelines and how we set up our servers on AWS and are we using Kubernetes and like all this, all these topics, you can invest massive amounts of time in them and potentially way too much time, Right. And one thing that developers do and can be very guilty of is spending a lot of time on these kinds of things, trying to over-automate things, 
when it's like, hey, we just need to deploy the app and run it because we need to get some customers and we need to make money. We don't need to build the world's perfect like server environment on AWS. Like we don't really give a shit about how that sausage is made, right? Now, the good news is with Azure and AWS these days, a lot of the stuff can be very simple. It, they make it really easy to deploy an app and they automatically provision the servers and do all that kind of stuff. And you can go in there and say, I need it to run on two servers or three servers or whatever. And they just do it and it just works. But you're going to have some developers like, well, I want to, I want Kubernetes on my resume. So I want to set up my own Kubernetes cluster and I want to do all this crazy shit. And then like six weeks go by and none of it works still. And you still haven't gotten your stuff deployed. And those are the kind of traps that you can run into. And you always have to balance like, is it worth putting all that effort into versus like, what is the fastest way to get to market? Well, and then, you know, you also talk about not, not having to overcomplicate a simple patch or fix. Yeah. So let's say you deploy something and 99.9% .9 of everything went well. And there's one little thing, one, there's one goofy thing. And you, you know, you talk about the CICD stuff. Now, does that, I've heard it, I've heard the D and CICD referred to as delivery and deployment. Is it fair to say those are the same? Um, I think there, there's a technical difference there between the two. Um, I don't remember what the difference was. Yeah. So anyway, now you talk about being able to do a quick patch and a fix, and that's what you want to be able to set yourself up to do. Yes. Otherwise you're like, shit, we got 99.9% .9 of it. Right. Guess we'll have to fix that, that little tiny bug that matters in the next sprint. And you well, also don't want, you also don't want to have to engage, like stop 19 new 19 people to fix that one little tiny thing. So how so, do you go about what, what's the difference between like, a, well, let's call it a major or a minor fuck up because the minor ones, like you, if you do it right, you can go in and do a little hot, hot fix and deploy stuff without needing to like take the whole enchilada and shove it in the oven. Well, and that you highlight one of the, the most important reasons for having these deployment pipelines is we, we do a deployment and we find some kind of bug, how fast can I do another deployment to fix it? You know, I can get a developer that, that commits the code change and, and, you know, he missed a comma or whatever he did, right? And, and fixes it. But then how do I get that change deployed? How do I get it deployed as fast as possible so our customers stop having this issue? So my DoorDash order will go through. And yeah. having that automation is key because potentially he commits the change and then you log into your tools that do these pipelines and you click one button and boom, it kicks off the process. Now for some people that process still could take 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, but with a lot of cloud stuff these days, it could be seconds. Yeah. I mean, definitely minutes very quickly. And that's, what's important is having the, the KPIs we mentioned earlier and being able to rapidly discover that there are problems and knowing that you can rapidly deploy a fix lets you take more risk. It lets you know like, hey, if we find a problem, we know we can fix it very, very quickly, which is the total opposite of the days of like, well, we mail CDs to our customers. And if they have a problem, we have to mail them a new CD. Like we are 20 years past that era. But you can see how something like that would have been a disaster for having software problems. In this day and age, if you can move quickly, you can take more risk because you know you can fix it quickly. And, you know, back to the very beginning of this conversation, you know, this is a huge improvement uh, from a decade ago, or honestly, even five years ago, 
you know, and, and these, these are, I think if you're talking about hiring and building a team and, you know, if you need to find an expert software developer, it doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you go to fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably use the full scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Fullscale.io. Now, Matt, we were talking about hiring developers. When you're doing that, you want to find people that have an understanding of these versioning tools and, you know, everything that, how do I move it from here to here? And, you know, one of the things we started doing with the developers at full scale is regardless of their level of experience, we have a very, uh, a very, uh, uh, informative, but still, uh, you know, shortly effective training program yeah. that just teaches people. Cause you know, these things change. And I think the one thing that will drive, your team. And I'm talking, I'm going to use the word team in a very universal method, your sales team, your support team, your development team, your testing team, and your ownership team. One thing that will drive them crazy is, is shitty deployment because it's chaotic. It's frustrating. It's bad for your users. It's just overall, it is a very crazy thing. So we talk about, you mentioned KPIs or key performance indicators. What are some of the ones that would pop out if you, like, what are some common ones that could pop out if you had a bad deployment? So the most important things are going to be like the volume of traffic, right? Like if I'm Netflix and I expect, you know, a million people to be streaming after I do a deployment, I still expect it to be, you know, a million or whatever, right? Like, so is the amount of traffic the same or all of a sudden did it go to like way down? Then it's like something must be wrong because it's way down, right? And then you've got the performance of that. So are the transactions fast or are they slow? Um, if you have the right kind of application monitoring tools in place, you can know how fast those transactions are happening. So you mentioned earlier, like adding something to your shopping cart on DoorDash or something, right? Like, is it taking one minute or one second, or is it all of a sudden taking 30 seconds, right? Um, and then you've got errors, tracking error rates. So th- those are kind of the like most fundamental things, like the volume of traffic, the speed of it, and error rates. Um, those are like the where you would start the basics. Sounds like it would be a good idea to have a, a deployment checklist. Absolutely. Well, yep. what, let's talk about that, Matt. What, as you've mentioned, what are some other things that might be on that checklist? Well, so you're going to have... Um, so one thing we haven't talked about that we should mention real fast is all of this kind of falls into the DevOps um, category. So that that's Correct. a newer kind of buzzword over the last five, 10 years is, is having a which, team. Which, or, by the way, is super freaking broad. That's like saying I build yes. software. Yeah. Yeah. So DevOps people generally help with anything to do with the, the, the deployment side of things. Like at my company, we've, we've got somebody that's been spent the last six weeks, you know, working on how we do deployments to AWS and trying to automate these pipelines like we're talking about, improving them. Um, and you know, that's, that's what he's doing. He's figuring, okay, how do I script all this stuff? How do I push stuff to AWS? How do I ensure that all the settings in AWS are the right way? None of it has anything to do with writing code. It has to do with deployment. It has to do with like getting the environment all set up the right way. And so all this DevOps stuff is, is a lot of work. And there are people that enjoy doing that kind of stuff. And then and a lot of people, people that don't and people that don't. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, when so you talk about doing a deployment, you can absolutely have what I would call sort of like a DevOps checklist, um, which is um, going to be a bunch of different things around um, testing and making sure that 
you know, you have the, the SQL database changes that need to be deployed, have been deployed, other dependencies have been done. Have you um, told everybody about the work um, or about the deployment? Have you trained everybody that needs to know about the deployment? Um, all these sort of things that need to happen, right? Um, you know, did QA review everything, et cetera, right? Did the CEO sign off on the fact that we're going to do the deployment on Thursday at whatever time? Like all that kind of, a lot of communication stuff that needs to be done. Make sure everybody's in lockstep on the fact that we're going to do this deployment and what could go wrong and what new new you know functionality are we delivering? Like everybody understands what's happening, right? And then post-deployment, yeah, then you've got a whole phase of testing. How do we ensure that the code that we released works. So we talked about some of the measurement stuff, like the KPIs we can use, but then you have like your QA team, your product owner, some of the support team, whatever, you know, logging into the system, making sure it's still working and everything is seems hunky-dory. Um, you know, in the, in the old days, you know, 10, 15 years ago, didn't have those systems. And basically we would push code at nine o'clock at night and pray that we didn't get a bunch of phone calls the next morning. Like that was our feedback loop. And there are so many more tools and technologies today that, that hopefully you have a lot less of that. You're still going to have some of that. If you push code at 9 p.m., you have no users and you have no traffic, depending on your type of product. And you have to wait until a bunch of users sign in the next morning. So you're going to inevitably have some of that happens. But the tools and, and the, the, the things that exist today help a lot. So you mentioned like talking to the CEO. And so I have a no deployment Friday rule. Like we don't deploy big things on Friday. At Friday afternoon? Why not? Yeah, cause, yeah, because it's like it's the worst day to do it because what well, could go a, wrong? If if you mess it up, you're gonna work the, <laughs> over the weekend. Two, if you don't realize you messed it up, then it's gonna be broken the whole weekend. And three, if you do it on like Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, you got a couple days to fix it if something comes up. It's just like you like you mentioned the like kind of like the push and pray mentality that's yeah. not that's not a 2022 recommended best practice but you know like like matt said make these things known and make sure you have the right people around it's real easy to test a platform when you have like all hands on deck and there are pe like your testers might test different things than like i don't know we try to tell everyone you know like hey we're doing if there's a major like we're going to do a major update on the full scale platform this week. And I'll have a whole lot of people from different departments test it because there's too much stuff to test for just regular QA. You can break that into pieces. And, and, and also it's like who, who uses what it's very difficult sometimes to really have a strong grasp on who is using what parts of your platform and how, and, and not broken for one person might be horrendously broken for someone else. All right. So we want you to use a deployment checklist we talked about the right deployment tools and continuous integration stuff. Um, you know, now one thing we didn't talk about automation, I think everyone's obsessed with automation, but I want to point out that if you don't know how to do it manually, it's kind of difficult to know if the automation is going to do it right. Unless it's like a truly turnkey kind of thing. That's just like, Hey, I do this every time. You don't even need to know. Well, and, and so that's the other huge benefit to setting up the automation is right now, if you're like, oh, Patrick's the only one that knows how to deploy this, that's a problem. Yes. Because nobody else can do it. And if Patrick wins the lottery, well, what are we going to do? Right? The so bus rule. That's the bus rule. If that person gets hit by a bus 
or jumps yeah. on one and drives away forever. Yes. How, where are you? So by setting up that automation, it helps a lot because then you have multiple people that can go in and do the deployment. Plus you've, you've got like all the configuration and stuff in a system in a place where you would put it instead of it just being like this random set of steps that only one person knows how to do on their laptop and, and like how to like have all that set up the right way with the right VPN access or like all this weird things you might need to do the deployment by setting it up in a tool that's designed to do it. It's like you have one central point and it's in the place where it goes and it makes it a lot easier if you need to make changes to it or that person leaves or any of that, that it's all set up in, in a way that logically makes sense and people can, can modify. You know, and some of the stuff, like if you're really, if you have a pretty basic platform and you're pretty early, you might not need, I mean, it's good to start getting an idea of like how you're going to do stuff later, but much like Matt alluded to earlier, um, you can make things remarkably complex when they don't need to be. Well, don't so for example, don't reinvent the wheel. For example, if you're using Visual Studio and you're, you're developing .NET based applications and deploying them to Azure, it can be as simple as literally opening Visual Studio, right clicking on the project and hitting publish, and it will publish it right to Azure. And that's it. <laughs> now you don't have Again, that's sort of only doing it from, you know, Patrick's machine because only Patrick knows how to download the code and do that and, and it's building it from his machine. But if you're starting out, it can be that simple. You can make it more complicated later. You can set up um, a build machine that does all of that and everything. But it can be that simple to deploy something to the cloud. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, all right. So next on the list, we talked about monitoring KPIs. This is the, this is the key ingredient. And, and, you know, if you don't have, if you haven't set up, like, if you don't understand basic key performance uh, uh, indicators, then you need to, because this is how you're going to, this is the most likely, well, other than testing it yourself and realizing that it's bad. Um, these are the things that can really pop out. You know, we talked about everything from logged in users, time transaction times, page loads. I want to throw another one in there. Keep an eye on things like uh, database load yeah. and like server capacity because sometimes you can make a change and something just starts spinning out of control or doing something. It's, it's making your server or your database work way too hard or do something. There's just something funky in there. And what happens is that can slow down everything and, and, and in some yeah. cases can just kill your site. Well, and that, and that brings up another uh, kind of topic of this, right? Is you do a deployment and things don't go well, like there's some kind of problem. The number one thing you have to look for is what changed? What did we change? Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and that's why it's important to have source control and all that, because you can go back to the source control and say, okay, what code commits were in there? Who did the code commits and all that? But the other thing that's important when it comes to deployments is trying to do deployments more often with smaller amounts of change. When you ship like a hundred new things, chances are a lot higher that one of them won't work, but then it becomes really complicated to figure out, well, what of the hundred caused the issue? Like we've changed so many things that I just don't know where to start. Where is the needle in which haystack, right? Where if you just, if you do deployments on a weekly basis and some people do deployments even on a daily basis, um, then it makes it a lot easier. Like everything worked perfectly yesterday. We made this one change. It has to be part of this one change. But when you bundle a whole bunch of changes together, it makes it so much harder to figure that out. And while we do wish you a happy deployment, 
um, you got to know that things don't always go right. And I mean, that's, that's part of, that's part of all of it. And that's why the very last item, and we mentioned this earlier is it, have a rollback strategy. Yeah. So how does that work, Matt? Like, I mean, how, how do we keep that simple and still understood? So depending on the pipeline you're using, you know, so the good thing is most developers these days deploy everything with Docker containers. So containers and containerization have made it a way to basically compile and build all of your code, your code into an asset that you can then deploy to production. Well, the good news is most of these tools make it easier to get like previous versions of that asset um, and then redeploy it so you can roll back the versions um, or you could go back and source code and say, look, I got to pull this different branch or tag and source code, rebuild it again and redeploy it. But what a lot of companies do when they get really sophisticated are what you would call a blue green deployment. So they'll have like the blue deployment on, you know, half the servers and then they deploy code to the green servers, like the other half of the servers. And then they have to basically run everything in parallel and then eventually switch and then if there's anything wrong, they can immediately go right back to the blue, right? Like like they flip back and forth between two different deployments. And big, sophisticated companies have to do it that way. Um, and at my last company, we'd have an app that ran on 50 servers. And so you can't just take all 50 down, right? And then turn on 50 new ones. You had to actually do a rolling deployments. So it's like you take one server down and switch it to the new code and put it in and then take another one down and then put the new one in. So when you get big, you get into all sorts of problems and all sorts of complexities. I mean, imagine somebody like Visa or MasterCard deploying code, right? And not messing up credit card processing. Like these sort of things are, are like big company problems, but they do exist. Um, if you're a small company, you do not have to worry about these things. You can keep it really simple. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's the not reinventing the wheel part. Uh, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, let FullScale help. We have the people in the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions, then let our platform match you up with our fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. At FullScale, we specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more at FullScale.io. Well, you know, Matt, I think we deployed this episode without major uh, errors or bugs. <clears throat> I went through our deployment checklist and, you know, we're, this is now 30 minutes long, which is kind of our brand standard for minimum time. Um, as far as KPIs go, I'm going to have to keep an eye out to see how many people listen to this show. <laughs> there you I go. Know, I, I'm not expecting now you talk about reasonable expectations. I do not uh, expect the software deployment episode to perform at the same to, oh, to indi indicate on. the same kind of performance as something nerds about, so, like me love this stuff what do you I know mean? i know but then there's a lot of people that don't because they aren't going to know what we're talking about and that's the way it goes matt do you have anything else you want to add in on the way out of here before we uh say this code is, is fully pushed to the production environment in a healthy and safe way um, I would say everybody needs some sort of deployment pipeline these days. It's not hard to set up, keep it simple, deploy to AWS or Azure or whatever. Just don't overcomplicate it. But everybody needs one because then, you know, everybody can push code and you don't have the one guy or gal that knows how to do it. And it, it's important. You need to spend a little bit of time on it and it takes time. It does take time to set up. 
Yeah, and I agree. And you look at, I mean, I think that, like I said, we wish you all a happy deployment. I think a good way to keep customers, users, employees, yourself, everyone happy is to get really good at this part because it is truly, it's truly the one yard line. And there's nothing more disappointing than when you turn over the ball, throw an interception, a fumble, or give it over on downs and then miss the field goal. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are the sports way that is a sports version of a crap deployment. Would you agree? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. I'll see you next. We got one more of these one right. more episode. It'll be next week, man. I'll, I'll, I'll catch up with you sometime between now and then. Can't wait. See you then. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.